When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. One of my favorite episodes of the year, the best of year 2022. Uh, I'm so happy to be talking about this with you. How are you, my friend? Doing good. Um, I'm actually kind of relieved that this is happening because it means I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> no, it was definitely a lot of thought that, that goes into this. Um, we both made top 50 lists. I think we'll probably focus the bulk of our attention on the top 25. And from there, we'll probably talk about some categories of, uh, you know, best song and, you know, MVP of the year, yada, yada, yada. But uh, obviously the bulk of the time will be spent on the um, the lists. And uh, as, as per tradition, I will let you kind of do the honors and I'll let you know if anything that you have on your list is on mine. And then we'll kind of go through mine. I'm going to say this once up front, just to put it out there. I don't want to repeat myself. If I do, I apologize in advance. This was by far the hardest of the three lists, in my opinion, that we had to make, you know, going back to 2020 uh, or 2021. This, um, this was really difficult for me, not because it was a, the meticulous nature of the way I ordered it or anything like that. I just found there to be a lot of good albums, but not many phenomenal albums. Whereas usually the list kind of writes itself where I can kind of put things into tiers and juggle those tiers here um, with the exception of maybe eight or 10 albums. I think that you could throw them in a hat depending on mood and they would all fall out uh, a certain way. I mean, that's not to say that I didn't like album 12, more than album 40 I, I did but when it for the most part depending on mood it really um it, it it varied for me a lot this year and i found it very difficult i felt pretty much the same i i, I ended up with like what i would call the bottom 20 um which is like pretty much 51 through 70 because i just felt like there were so many really good like just i don't know really good but so many good albums that Stuff I almost felt bad not including them, so I right, kind of gave right. them their own, uh, like little just missed it honorable mention kind of section. Um, usually your like February playlist is kind of like the albums that just missed the cut, and that's kind of yes. what that is for me. Um, yes. so I'll mention if you have it on your list and I have it in that bottom what? zone, I'll say like, hey, that one was at fifty nine or whatever. I'll just mention that because I did actually keep track of that um and we'll both post our our full top 50 list um on the metal exchanges facebook group uh but we're only going to talk about our top 25 just so that um we don't uh you know uh, blow too much hot air in in one episode (laughs) or or record for six hours yeah that as well so um 
but yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I felt like it was just a lot of really, um, you know, like above average albums, um, good to really good, but like the, the excellent, the list of excellent albums was, was kind of short and it wasn't picking up number one wasn't as easy as last year was with Halloween either. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm curious to see how much, uh, overlap, um, there's going to be, um, I imagine there'll be at least some. And, and what's also interesting is although we obviously talk about music on the podcast and then we'll talk about music off the podcast, we don't talk about these lists. So this is the first time we're, we're hearing this. And quite frankly, the first time that we're even talking about rankings or anything uh, remotely close. So it will be definitely a surprise um, for both of us. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's jump in. Let me hear what you got. Yeah, so my actually my first three uh, albums that twenty five, twenty four, and twenty three are all um, what I would consider disappointments because they're um, very what I would consider high end bands that I would have expected to be a lot closer to the top hmm. of the list. Um, and I'll start with number twenty five. I have um, Blind Guardians, The God Machine. Um, hmm. I saw this was at the top of a lot of people's lists. Um, it's still a Blind Guardian album, so it's still a very good album. I just it didn't it didn't grab me as much as um, I, the last album, um, Beyond the Red Mirror, or even the, the 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 orchestral album that they released in 2019. Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good album, even very good. I just thought there was there was stuff that I just enjoyed more, and um, it just never grabbed me as much as other blind guardian albums typically do it's not on my list i thought it was a weird album and much like the megadeth album i thought that half the album was really really good and there was like four or five songs on that blind guardian disc that i just absolutely loved and then there were four or five tracks that i just didn't like didn't grab me at all and i just couldn't justify putting it on the list because all 50 albums on my list, I kind of liked the whole thing. So I just gave it a little bit of a bump. But I will say that those four or five songs were absolutely fantastic. Um, and if those are the ones that they play live, I can't wait to see them live again because they are a phenomenal live act. But I, I'm with you. I, I just It was a disappointing album. I listened to it a lot. So I gave it its fair chance, but it just never it never clicked for me. Yeah, and it's similar to what I said last year about Nightwish's Human Nature. It's I didn't hate it by any sense of the imagination but when a band of that caliber is that far down the list or in your case not on the list at all it's got to be considered disappointing um, sure. at 24 i had amorphous's uh, halo album which again like i enjoyed it um i always enjoy amorphous albums but it just didn't hook me as much as some of the the previous ones did um still better than most things I listen to, but again, kind of uh, lower on the list than I would have expected. Uh, curious. I'm sure they're on your list. I'm just curious as to where. Nine. I okay. had it in my top 10. I, I thought it was just from, from the beginning to the end, I thought it was just a great listen and we'll put them up there with an Epica or something like that. They are just the model of consistency. And this was no different. I thought it was really, really good. Um, that being said, you know, if you would have put the album out in 2021, I'm not sure that it would have been in the top 20. But I think right. that just speaks to the year as a whole. Um, but I, I like the album a lot. 
Yeah. Um, again, like the other thing too, is that I probably didn't get to listen to a lot of these albums as many times as I would sure. have liked. So, sure. um, maybe it would have grown on me, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to try to focus too much on that. I mean, this is just how it, how it all fell into place. Uh, there's, there's no right or wrong answers. Yeah. Here. Uh, what comes in at 23, 23, I have uh, soil works, uh, of given Hetton. I think I <laughs> that said that fairly, uh, close. Um, I, I really, um, I'm enjoying uh, like how some of the um, Night Flight Orchestra vibe is starting to creep into Soilworks uh, yeah. albums. Um, it, it's I, it's an album I enjoyed start to finish. Um, it was um, again though like there 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 just were other things that I ended up enjoying more. Maybe if I'd listened to it a few more times, but uh, it, it was. Uh, I, I think if you had told me years ago that I had a Soilwork album in my top twenty-five. <laughs> Uh, Evergrey did not make my top twenty-five, but they are oh. in my top, they are in my top fifty. Um, All right, that's so, progress. Yeah, we're we're getting um, we're moving places, but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought this was a, a solid album, and I uh, enjoyed it. I don't have it on my list, but I did enjoy the album. Um, I thought that what the, I, I I agree with you. The night flight orchestra elements were cool, and then they would contrast that with some of the heaviest stuff that they've done probably in twenty-five years. So. Uh, it was a cool album. I did listen to it. I probably should have spent more time with it, um, but it's it's not on my list. Although I think the three or four times I listened to it, I did enjoy it. Yeah, um, it, it's. I think the last the last time I listened to it, especially, it really um, really hit. Um, Makes so sense. It, it made it made its way up the list. I think towards the end. Um, at twenty two, this was a, a band that you had. Um, brought to my attention and we had mentioned them, you know, months ago. Uh, this is a, a band called uh, Verlinia. Um, they're from Montreal, Quebec. Uh, they're a symphonic power metal band. Um, they had a, this was their first full length album. It's called the other world. Um, I just really enjoyed this. It, it kind of um, harkened back to the, to the old era of Nightwish. Um, you know, we, we talk about how, Hey, if you don't like that Nightwish doesn't sound like old Nightwish, there's, other bands that do um but i i i ended up going back to this album a number of times and and i really um i really liked it a lot and it, it's actually it's actually not even the only debut album that's going to be on this top 25 list but uh i i really dug this um really good stuff and and uh the 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 vocalist um ariane martel is uh she does that that really rick's daughter kind of, what's that rick's daughter Yes, uh, Rick Rick Martel's daughter. She she didn't go follow the family business as a model. Uh, <laughs> she decided to be a singer instead. Um, it, it's uh, it's a little the production's a little rough around the edges, but um, the, the I thought the musical content was really good, and I think they're definitely um, a band worth checking out. Not on my list, but the second that I heard of them, I immediately thought of you, and I just said like. You got to hear this. So I'm, I'm glad it made the list. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so next at number 21, uh, I have Sabaton Symphony, or not Symphony to End All Wars. That's the um, the symphonic version of War to End All Wars. Um, I didn't have this album as high, and then I went back and listened to it again, and I just really enjoyed it. Uh, start to finish, I thought it was one of the better Sabaton albums in the last uh, of the last few Um and you know, uh, I know how much you love the song uh, "Christmas Truce," which um, 
you know happens to be on this album but uh, i i thought this was uh quite a good album and um probably higher than i would have thought that it would have been after the first time i listened to it but a couple more listens and it really kind of uh stuck with me the, the album on a whole didn't make my list but you did mention a song that was in contention for song of the year. That song hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just thought the single was great. I thought the video was great. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. The album itself. Eh, I'll go back to Primo Vittoria or Art of War and I'll be very happy. Sure. Um, at number 20, I have another uh, debut album, the uh, UK band, She Wolf. It's another uh, symphonic power metal band. Um, this this is just really my my bread and butter. I love symphonic power metal, and um, I just tend to gravitate towards the female vocals um, more so than the male vocals for whatever reason. Um, uh, the this is a, a little less, I think, um, a little less orchestral than the Verlinia album. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little more just uh, straightforward power metal. But I, again, this is a, a band i i went back and listened to this album a number of times and just really uh really enjoyed it so um i'm sure you recommended this to me as well but this was yeah a, this, this was, was another one. one that i heard and i immediately thought of you for some reason it never clicked for me and i actually went back to this album this came out much earlier in the year but for some reason i remember going back to this like in the beginning of november and I enjoyed it more than I did when I first heard it. I, it was one of those things that I heard and I kind of passed on to you and then I just didn't listen to it again. I enjoyed that November listen quite a bit more, but it just didn't crack my list. Um, not bad. Just it didn't it wasn't it wasn't for me, but good enough that I would certainly be interested in hearing another album from if that makes sense. Like sure. they're on the radar now. Yeah. Um, and again, like it's their first album. So uh, we'll see what comes up in the future, but I think this is definitely a promising start. Um, at non- number 19, I had a uh, Yanni Limatainen solo album, my father's son. Um, the, the songwriting is just what we've come to expect from Yanni as a, as kind of a solo performer since he's left Sonata Artica, but you have these really great, um, guest vocalists in Bjorn Strid and Tony Kako, Timo Colti Pelto, uh, Annette Olsen. Um, you have, uh, Jens Johansson on the keys. Um, just a really, just a really cool album. I enjoyed it a lot. And whenever I went back to it, I was like, man, these songs just are super catchy. Um, no, no surprise. It's on frontiers records. Uh, yeah. just a really solid, solid, uh, solo album from Yanni. I had this on my list up until about December 25th. It was probably Christmas day. It was one of the last two to get bumped. So you want to call it 51 or 52, that's what it is for me. It just missed the cut. I like this album a lot. Yeah. Um, then, uh, oddly enough, uh, Yanni's old band. I have Sonata Artica at number 18, The Acoustic Adventures Volume 2. Whoa. I, I was not expecting this at all. I, I did not really care for Volume 1. I went back and listened to it after enjoying Volume 2 so much, and I don't know what it is, just the song selection, I guess. I just thought the volume two just blew volume one out of the water. It's some of my favorite Sonata Artica songs and they they're done in a really, just a really well done acoustic manner. I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. Um, so yeah, that, that it, it, I just felt, I found myself going back and listening to this and I had the volume one at, at the very bottom of my list of albums from 
the, uh, 2022, but this one, uh, it's so odd because it's, they were probably all recorded at the same time or whatever. Yeah. It just was a matter of song selection at the end of the day. I, I enjoyed it. It, I only listened to it once in full disclosure. I, I did not spend a lot of time with it. It was cool for what it was. Um, I'm surprised it's that high though. That's a very, very high spot for this kind of album, but I'm glad you liked it. That's great. Yeah, I think um, me and Mike Johnson are probably the only people who have uh, had it on their year-end list, but uh, cheers to Mike. I, I enjoyed it, too. Um, the, another band that um, – this is a, a debut album, another symphonic metal band, I, and again, one that you brought um, to my attention, uh, Emetropia from Sweden. Uh, they had an, uh, an album called uh, Equinox, and um, – Really uh, basic cover art, notwithstanding. Um, I, I, some of these songs were um, released on a, an earlier EP that they, I think, re-recorded for for this album. But another um, female-fronted symphonic metal album that I, I really, uh, I really thought was quite good. Um, just this is, like I said, this is my brand, and uh, I, I enjoyed this a lot. And and I think the 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 genre that you're going to see come up even more going forward is actually the, the frontier style melodic huh. metal bands. Uh, I'm just getting warmed up. Plenty of uh, releases. Yeah. Um, did you get so, a chance to listen to this album? I, I like yeah, this. I did. And, and again, this was another one that I kind of passed on to you. This band had an EP that came out in t- uh, 2018. They kind of reimagined, if you will, those four tracks added another four or five tracks and they kind of put it out as a full length debut release. They were very good there. If, if memory serves, they were very symphonic in so far as like a lot of orchestration in this stuff. If memory serves again, I, I could be wrong. I didn't love it, but I knew you would. I understand why you gravitated towards it. I think the potential is there. I think the songwriting was left me a little something to be desired, but the orchestration was cool. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, you know, thanks for, um, bringing that to my attention. It, again, there's just, uh, just a lot of cool new bands that, uh, I found out about, uh, this year and those, those three, especially kind of, um, there's four, I think, debut albums, um, of female fronted symphonic bands. And we've already named three of them that are on this list. I bet um, I can guess the last one. I, I think you can too. And I'm going to get to it shortly, but we have a couple of melodic albums. I want to talk about first, uh, at number 16, I had gathering of Kings, uh, enigmatic album. Um, I, I, I I've had a hard time like pulling up, um, information on this, um, because they're not, a band that's in the metal archives website. Um, I know that uh, master plan vocalist, Rick Altsy is um, a part of this. I know Bjorn Strid had been in the past. I don't know that he was actually on this album. Um, and then there's, um, I know uh, the singer from uh, nocturnal rights as well was on this, but um, I, there, there's just so much good, like just, melodic hard rock slash metal out there and this is a band now i think this is their third or fourth album and every time they release an album it's just really just a really solid um and and this was no different i enjoyed this one quite a bit i didn't spend enough time with this one i listened to it a couple of times i and when i say a couple i literally mean i think i listened to it twice it didn't grab me as fast as the first two albums did which i loved i was a big fan of both of those first two 
I think this, I think this is the third. I, for some reason, this left me a little cold. It does not make it to my list. I don't even have it as an honorable mention. Um, but because it's on your list, I'm going to go back to it because I feel like maybe I missed this one. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, a song called, um, feed you my love which i think was a cover um and it it features uh I, i'm blanking on his name but the vocalist from nocturnal rights and i recognized him right away and it's just it's just very catchy stuff and following that up at, at number 15 um ronnie atkins second soul album make it count um again like just uh he's showing that um you know he could he, he can survive outside of pretty maids uh his first soul album was really good and i really enjoyed this one as well um just uh, again like really just solid melodic hard rock slash metal um you know just catchy foot tapping kind of stuff but uh I, I found myself going back to this one and enjoying it quite a bit i think that it seems based on the statement from him that pretty maids might be dare I say, in his rearview mirror at this point. But the two solo albums were great. I have this at 45, so it does make my list. It's a little bit further down, but definitely enjoyable. Um, hearing him get to sing is an absolute pleasure. So I, I, I look forward to more stuff from him uh, in the years to come. And to be honest with you, um, if memory serves, I might have I might be talking about him a little bit later. But, well, I, you know what? I won't even get it. I'll say this. Nordic Union, the other album he put out this year, is also on my list. It's a little bit higher, though. It's not... Uh, not top twenty-five, but it's it's number thirty-seven as as luck would have it. There you go. Um, at number fourteen was my fourth uh, debut album, and uh, I think you kind of probably have guessed what it was. It's uh, the band Empress. Um, a, uh, a no, a, I thought it was going to be something else. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, um, you know, progressive power symphonic. It's a really nice mix uh, of genres. I think. Um, the uh, vocalist uh, Barbara Blackthorne, who um, I'll just say I'm friends with on Facebook, so uh, full disclosure. But uh, I, I thought she did an excellent job, and this is an album I found myself um, going back to a number of times, and and uh, that's kind of why I had implored you to uh, make sure you check them out when they play on Seventy Thousand Tons, because I think that they are they could be um, one of the next big uh, I think bands from the U.S. Um, just a really, really solid debut album. I, I thought this was really good. I, I agree with you. It is good. And I gave you my word. I would check them out. But I, I think that I will inject a question here. Does Nocturna not make your list? It's actually number 13. Oh, get out of here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess I had five uh, debut symphonic female fronted How bands. funny is that? Okay. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. So that, uh, I, I thought this was another album came out, uh, earlier in the early, year, like yeah. really early it came out in January. I went back and listened to this repeatedly. I listened to it again today. As a matter of fact, um, I just thought this was really good. Um, I mean, what's better than a female fronted metal, two female fronted <laughs> vocalists in one band. Um, I, I just thought this was a really cool, um, debut, album um and uh trying to get some info on um well i'll let me interject for a second i had this in my top 10 for a while and as 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 the year moved on it kind of moved down a little bit a little bit a little bit but it stayed in my top 25 because i thought it was a really 
really good release and for a debut i thought it was just simply excellent i have it at 21 um one of the better albums in the genre this year and that's why when you didn't say it i, I was not surprised because to me i thought it was arguably the best of the bunch and yeah so this is too. this is um frozen crown guitarist uh, Fe- federico mondelli uh one of his i guess side projects um he's also on my list uh further further down the list uh volturians um red dragon album i had at um 44 um but uh he's uh definitely keeping himself busy and uh, i think frozen crown's gonna have an album coming out uh this year but uh th- yeah this was very good i enjoyed yeah this and, the sing- and the new the new frozen crown single was fantastic they are a band that i think are one of those bands that could blow up with, with this new album and and this this was no different. But both both the Nocturne of this year, the Frozen Crown next year, um, very very good stuff. I'm um, so I'm with you. This this is this, so far this is the highest one you've had that's ranked very high on my list as well. Um, both the Amorphous obviously, but the Nocturne, like I said, number twenty one for me. Very good. Um, the rest of the list is pretty much um, mostly uh, what I would consider household names. Um, at number 12, I have uh, Royal Hunt's Dystopia Part 2. Um, th- much like Part 1, I the first time I listened to it, I just kind of shrugged. But the more I went back to it, the more I just really enjoyed it. It's just pretty classic Royal Hunt. But um, it has almost every vocalist that was ever in Royal Hunt on it, which makes it really interesting. I, other than John West, I'm pretty sure every former Royal Hunt vocalist, Henrik Brockman, Mark Bowles, um, even Matt's Levin is on this. And he, I don't think he ever was a Royal Hunt vocalist, but I love Matt's Levin. So um, welcome aboard. Yeah. I, I just thought this was I, Royal Hunt is always since DC's rejoined the band. I, I would venture to say that had I had a list every year, um, their album would be in my top 50 every, every year since DC rejoined the band. I really struggled with this album. I found the I, I don't find this to be a problem with other bands, one of one or two of which are on my list. But for some reason I thought that having so many vocalists on here was a bit jarring to me and I was not able to get over it. So as good as the songs were, this one never clicked for me and I tried and I wanted to like it and I'm, I think I'm in the minority because I've actually seen this album on a lot of lists. So I think it's a me thing. It's it's me. It's not you. It's me. Um, but I, I had to break up with Royal Hunt on this one. I just couldn't I couldn't get into it. Yeah, if I remember, I don't think you loved the part one either. I, I didn't, but I didn't. You're absolutely right. And this one, but I found this one to be just like particularly jarring. It wasn't the music. It was just I didn't, I, I didn't. There was like a lack of cohesiveness from track to track, from chorus to chorus, even, and it threw me off. Fair enough. Um, I at number eleven, uh, band you uh, mentioned a little while ago. I have Nordic Union's uh, Animalistic album. This was their third release. This is a uh, a, a so like a side project of again Ronnie Atkins and uh, Eric Martinson of Eclipse, and um, it, it's just the songs are just. Man, the the the, fir- the very first song on this day I fight it just it sucks you in right away, and the whole album just it it rocks all the way through. Um, I love this combo of of just two of my favorite vocalists from two of my favorite melodic metal bands coming together, and it's it's kind of like a a, a dream team. Um, 
but I thought this album was really good and uh, clearly you did as well. Yeah, it, this was great. I think that Martin's, Martin's songwriting is um, some of the best in the genre and has been for many, many years. I'm a huge Eclipse fan. I didn't have it, like I said, as high as you. I have it at 37, but I can understand why it almost cracked your top 10. This was a very good release. All right, and so we make it into the top 10. Um, we'll kick off with two uh, bands from the UK. Uh, number 10, I have Thresholds, uh, Dividing Lines. I think if this album came out earlier in the year, it might have re- made its way higher up, but it came out kind of late in, in mid-November. Um, so I only listened to it a handful of times, but that said, it was still a, a highly enjoyable... Um, I think this is the second album they've released uh, with uh, Glenn Morgan back in the fold as their vocalist. And... Um, I do have uh, I have uh, Arena on my list uh, way down at fifty four um, with oh, nice. Damian Wilson. Uh, not to be you know left out. Um, that was an album I, I, I enjoyed as well. But uh, this uh, Threshold's just on on another level when it comes to prog metal bands for me. They're actually not the highest prog metal band on this list, which. Uh, you shouldn't be too surprised when you see who is, but uh, I, I can I, I can venture a guess. But this was a little bit, I thought, a little bit easier, uh, a little bit more digestible than the Shires album that preceded it, just because of the uh, the fact that it wasn't as long. Um, Legends of the Shires was a two disc affair, and this was just kind of felt a little more, bit more co- compact at sixty four minutes, but um, just you know, the the songwriting for this band has just always remained so consistent, and this is uh, no exception. I heard this album for the first time, and I liked it. And I put it on a second time, and it just absolutely blew me away with the second listen. And then I think I listened to it every day for like a week. I just nice. fell in love with this disc. Um, it is in my top ten. It is number two. I nice. thought this album was amazing and it was, it was, I, I toyed with having it as number one and maybe it's a victim of coming out so late in the year. I just couldn't put it above my number one, but I thought this album was fantastic. I've got, I've seen mixed reviews. I think some people love it and other people thought other people might've thought it was a little bit weak for me. It was every bit as good as, um, everything else in their catalog, which is fantastic. Shires took me a little while to get into, and I now I think it might be their best album, which is crazy to say, but at least it's up there. Um, I don't know that I like it as much, but it's close. I thought this album was really, really good. There's not a bad song on there, and one of the songs in particular might be my song of the year, so I'll, I'll leave that a little bit. I'll leave that for a little bit later. Okay, I have two albums left on this list that I'm – fairly certain are not going to be in your top 25 or possibly even in your top 50. Uh, and this next one is the first of those two uh, is this one's Eden Bridges Shangri-La. Um, this was my favorite Eden Bridge album in years. And I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but it just um, absolutely sucked me in every time I went back and listened to it. And then there's this just long ass ending 16 minute, like epic several part track that features Eric Martinson again. And it's just wonderful. Like I, and the, hearing him on an Edenbridge album was completely out of left field. Um, but man, this is one of those bands. I know you told me when you saw them, they weren't particularly great. Maybe they're having an off day. I've always wanted to see them live. 
uh, Sabine Edelsbacher ever since I first heard her doing guest vocals on early Power Quest material. I just loved her voice. Um, but I, I just enjoyed this a lot. I was rather surprised that it was, uh, that this, that it stayed this far up my list, but I always enjoyed it when I went back to it. And, uh, shout outs to Carl Groom for mixing and mastering, uh, this one. <laughs> so he gets, uh, two, two credits in a row. I agree with you. This was not on my list. I, as I mentioned to you, um, you know, in private, I saw Eden Bridge on 70,000 tons of metal back in 2020, and I just did not enjoy their live set. And I think as a result, it kind of made me stay away from this. I, I shouldn't say stay away. I didn't spend any time with this album. I listened to it once, and then I never listened to it again. I don't know that that necessarily reflects a poor album insofar as some sort of inherent bias because I didn't like the live set. So that's a me thing as well. Um, I can understand why you liked the album better than some of their prior material, because I thought the mix was great. Uh, as you mentioned, I thought that some of the songs here were very good, but I just, I, I didn't spend time with this and that's why it didn't make my list. Yeah. They, they, they feel like a band that like just nobody really talks about and, yeah. and I've always just really enjoyed and they're just, they've been around for like over 20 years, just consistently releasing albums. And I always, I've always enjoyed them. Um, at number eight, I have uh dynasty's final advent album. Um, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say other than this band. Just, I feel like they, they always come out with just really strong albums and, and I, always end up enjoying them. I think Nils Mullen's vocals are fantastic. Um, it's just the total package when it comes to that melodic metal style and they're so good at it. Um, I think they're up there with Eclipse when it comes to just knocking it out of the park. Um, I, I just, again, found myself going back to this and just really bo- like bopping my head and tapping my foot every time I put it on. I didn't listen to this a ton but it was so catchy and I liked it a lot. And I feel like every time I put it on, it was one of those things where I said, I got to listen to this more. And then I just never did. But I liked it enough that it was number 12 for me because I feel like I didn't listen to it much. But when I did, I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And it was just such an easy listen because you just kind of get into the moment. It's not too thought provoking. You just enjoy it for what it is. I don't think it's as good as Renatus or that, that album that came out, you know, seven or eight years ago now or whatever. I still think that that was their magnum opus. I'll use the phrase. I thought that that album was um, kind of a high watermark and I don't know that they'll ever hit it, but they are, they're getting close. And this was very good. Very good. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was probably my favorite since that album, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, I agree with that. At number seven. So now to me, like if the, when this band comes in at number seven and doesn't come in the top three. It's a little bit disappointing, but uh, it's Avantasia's paranormal evening with the moonflower society. Um, I still think that ghost lights is the kind of the measuring stick for the, the later era Avantasia albums for me. Um, but I, again, like it's still an Avantasia album and it's, it's kind of like he's, kind of sticking with this roster of singers with Jorn Land, Michael Kiss, Ronnie Atkins, Eric Martin, Jeff Tate, Bob Catley. Um, and then you throw in uh, a little bit of Floor Jansen and Ralph Sheepers for good measure. Um, just an f- outstanding lineup of, of vocalists. The songs are really catchy. It's not 
it's just not one of my favorite Avantage albums, but it's still good enough to be at number seven for me. I don't have this on my list. I, 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 I'm at a loss for words. This is, this should have been great. And I think that there was another album that came out this year with a whole slew of vocalists that I absolutely loved. Um, but this one, I just felt like it was a little stale and I don't quite know why, because obviously every one of these singers is fantastic and I love their work. Um, but I, for some reason, this one didn't click. I probably should have spent more time with this one as well, but like I listened to this quite a bit and it just never, ever left an impression on me so much so that it's not on the list at all. Um, I have it as one of my biggest disappointments because I wanted to love it. I really did. It just never quite got there for me. Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt that way that the first couple of listens. It took a little longer than you would think an Avantage album should take, but uh, it, it really, it still stuck with me in the end. So that's why it's where it is. Um, I think number six might surprise you a little bit, but every time I listen to this album, it moved a little bit further up, a little bit further up, a little bit further up until it made it all the way up to number six. And it's, it could possibly be the catchiest album of the year. Uh, Kiss and Dynamite's Not the End of the Road. Wow. Absolutely love this album. It's just such a, it's just such a joy to listen to. And it's so fun. Um, Yoko Ono, uh, check out that track. No One (laughs) Dies a Virgin. It's, um, it's just, uh, to me, like they're, I don't know, like to this, I think might've been my favorite melodic metal album of the year, depending on if you consider another band coming up in that genre. Um, but I, I love this album. I thought it was, I, I liked it even more than, than dynasty or Nordic union. So, so interesting. You say that they were another band that was on 70,000 tons back in 2020. And I dragged a number of people to go see them because I had to go see this band. I was, a, a, I was, and am a big fan. And, um, don't let Tyler Scode fool you. I think he's a really, really big fan of the band now, even though he will probably go to his grave denying it. But <laughs> kidding aside, as soon as that show was over, they kind of disbanded and they reformed with a new lineup. And I was very hesitant to hear what this album was going to sound like. But this was a grower for me as well. The first time I heard it, I did not like it. But every time I listened to it, I liked it a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. It's at number 44 on my list, so it made the top 50. It's not nearly as high as, as it was for you, but I understand why you liked it. Um, a lot of great rock anthems, another easy listen, and I'm just kind of happy that they're still going strong after the lineup change. The songwriting on this was fantastic. Not my favorite album by the band, but probably my second favorite album. I I feel like they would slay at Prague Power. I would they love to see so this. They were so good live. I would love to see this band. For what it is. Come in. Yeah. They'll be um they'll be making their way up my sponsor list. I will say that much. This nice. this album really opened my eyes. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, nice. So into the top 5 we go. Uh there's still a Prague album or two left, believe it or not, and and mm-hmm. this is one of them. Uh Seventh Wonders The Testament. Um it's just seventh wonder is just seventh wonder. Like all, I feel like they don't even have to try that hard and they make an album that ends up in my top five. This is the kind of prog metal that I absolutely love. And, and it's just, it's just, uh, I don't know that it's any better or worse than their last album. I just really liked it. So this, this, um, 
in my opinion, was much better than their last album. And quite frankly, I would say it's better than their last two. I thought this was their strongest album since Mercy Falls. Wow. Um, I just, I, I think that it was more cohesive. I thought the songwriting was a little bit tighter, not quite as meandering, I guess is the word I will use. I have it at number 10. I thought this was a really, really good release. And I think that if I played it more, it probably could drift a little bit higher. But I thought, I, I think that they they are kind of like the forerunners for that modern melodic prog sound. And, you know, like I said, I, I, anyone that listens to uh, to Camelot, go listen to what real vocals sound like on 7th Wonder. And I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's uh, like I said to you before, um, you know, everyone else is like, Camelot doesn't sound like old Camelot. And I'm like, Camelot doesn't sound like 7th Wonder. Um, Amen. It's Amen. just Tommy's just unleashed with Seventh Wonder, where That's he's it. not so much with Camelot. Um, they take the seatbelt off but, on this, and they let. But him- even beyond that, just the songwriting is just so strong always with this band. And I think, like you said, I, I definitely think that that high praise that you gave it—that it's their best album since Mercy Falls—is well deserved. Um, at number four, I have one more album that I guess is a prog album, if not prog adjacent, but it's a uh, Star One's Revel in Time. Um, I had Arion on my list, I believe, last year, fairly, uh, probably in the top 15 or top 20, I think, um, which I think is actually, again, disappointing. Like an Arion album really should be top three, top five at, at worst, same as Avantasia. This was un- just fantastic. Star One albums are just things that I look so forward to. Um, in the when they come out once every you know eight or ten years or whatever, this album just kicks off at like their first two albums did as well with this just absolute banger of a track. But what those first two albums didn't have was Britney Effin Slays from <laughs> Unleash the Archers. What a great choice to be on this album! She absolutely just brings it. I thought um, you were gonna say Slays. Yeah, well, that would have just been a little bit too derivative, but. Um, <laughs> Unlike in the past where these Star One albums have mostly been the Russell Allen, Damian Wilson show, there's more uh, guest vocalists on here like Roy Kahn and Floor Jansen, um, which, which I think give it a little bit more uh, a little bit more flavor than the past albums and, and make it feel a little bit more like an Arion album where there's you know multiple vocalists instead of just two. Um, but the songs are, um, they're all based on time travel, uh, either movies or TV shows. So there's songs about Back to the Future and, and what have you. But, um, you know, you have, uh, Jolyn Turner's on one of the tracks. It, uh, and then you all also have, you know, the, the awesome, uh, instrumentalists that are involved, you know, Steve Vai, Jens Johansson, Michael Romeo, Timo Summers, Bumblefoot. Um, there's just a lot of uh, uh, Jeff Scott Soto does a uh, track on here. Siri wants to get involved as usual. Um, just really good. This one. Are you kidding me? Be quiet. Um, probably my favorite Aaron uh, involved release in a while. I thought this was excellent. I was so disappointed by the last Arian album. I was so disappointed because it had all the ingredients, but for some reason I feel like they didn't put them in the right proportion. And so the recipe was screwed up. And then I mentioned the Avantasia album, which just did not click for me for whatever reason. Thank God for this release. This, <laughs> this I'll tell you something. This was 
a five for me. So we both have this in our top five. What I loved is not only was the first disc just an absolute great album, but then he's like, we're going to release the exact same album, but with completely different vocals, with different singers doing all the songs. And like, it was just an interesting take on the album I just heard. So I would listen to them back to back and I would listen to the different way that like the different approaches that the singers took to the same songs. And I thought it was such a cool idea for a band like this to do something like that. I loved it. The whole package, it, it gives, I give it an A, top five, great album. All right, so we make it to the top three, and no surprise, they're all power metal albums. Uh, I expect two of them will be in your top 25. I expect one of them will not sniff <laughs> your top 25. Um, at number three, uh, Stradivarius's Survive. Um, this was my favorite Stradivarius album since Nemesis, which was my favorite Stradivarius album of the post-Timo Tolki era. Um Every song is great. It it somehow, even without Timo Tolki, that the Stradivarius like ethos, I guess, if it's the best word I could come up with, is still there. Um, even though Timo Tolki was Stradivarius for so long, but I guess having a Stradivarius fanboy help write the songs with Timo Cotipelto on vocals and Jens Johansson still on keyboard duty it still feels like Stradivarius to me. And I thought that, that this was one of their best albums yet. Um, just uh, a really fantastic release. And um, it came out in September and just skyrocketed up the list and pretty much stayed there the rest of the year. I'll, I'll make this short and sweet. I agree with you. Best album since Nemesis. Every song was catchy. Number eight for me. Fantastic power metal album. Very nice. Um, my number two is the album. I don't think, uh, made your list or was even considered, but uh, it's um, just one of my favorite bands. And, and I think they um, certainly let me guess, uh, go, go for it. Battle beast. It is battle beast. Um, Circus of doom. I, I thought was such a, uh, a more consistent album compared to no more Hollywood endings, which I think had a lot of good songs, but just the stylistically was kind of all over the place. And this, they kind of are going gone back to the well. Um, I, you know, I thought that uh, I thought that Bringer of Pain was such a strong album, even though it was after Anton had left the band to to start um, Beast in Black. I feel like this is kind of going back to a little bit of that Anton kind of vibe. It feels a little bit like a Beast in Black derivative, even though they were the ones who did it first. Um, but um, Nora continues to be one of my favorite like vocalists these days. And I just thought that this was uh, an album that every song was catchy um, and, and it's just fun. And it's just my, just like my style of, of music that I enjoy. So um, I think beast in black, I think was my number two or three album last year. And now battle beast is my number two album this year. Uh, so I, I feel like, for whoever was disappointed about Anton leaving Battle Beast, I feel like now we have like two really great Beast bands, and uh, I enjoy the hell out of both. And and with the, the vocalist couldn't be more different between the two, but um, I love them both. So th- this was number two for me. You are right. This this is definitely not in my top fifty, but I'll say this: 
it wasn't terribly far off. I have it in that honorable mention category. I have it on my playlist for next month um, because it just missed the cut. I, you know, I, I would probably put it at like 60 or 62 or something like that. Dare I say my favorite Battle Beast album. I'm not really a fan of this band. The sound has never clicked for me. Um, I did not enjoy the last album at all, but I did appreciate this album and I kind of liked it. And like, there was stuff I liked more and that's a personal taste thing, but I can't even criticize you for having it high because I recognize this is, this was a very good album for what it was. Very nice. And I guessing you could figure out what my number one album is. Yeah. Uh, It's Dragonlands power of the night star. Uh, pretty much battle beast was my number one for pretty much the whole year. Um, it was between that and Stradivarius. Star One was up there. Uh, Seventh Wonder kind of snuck in towards the end. Kiss and Dynamite rose up the, the list pretty quickly towards the end. But this came out in October, and um, it, I just, again, part of it was because we covered it on the podcast. I listened to it a lot. But I I went back and listened to it again a couple of days ago just to make sure that I felt confident making this number one. And I've heard people that, didn't like it, which I was shocked by, frankly, because I don't feel that this was anything out of the ordinary for this band based on previous releases. Um, we used the word dense a lot when we talked about it, but um, when it finally broke through that, that la- that density layer for me, I couldn't get enough of it. And I, and I couldn't, nothing got like past it for me. Um, for the rest of the year. So yeah, this was this was number one for me, and and honestly, even before it came out, I was kind of expecting it to be. I felt like if it wasn't in my top three, it would have been a disappointment. But uh, it didn't disappoint, and uh, the, yeah, this so this was number one for me. The the Stradivarius, as I said, was I just a thought a phenomenal listen from top to bottom, and that's why I had it so high. But it wasn't my power metal album of the year. This was. And I think the reason it was so good was it was everything I wanted in a Dragonland album, but just like it didn't disappoint. Like I had high expectations after the long delay and it just met all those expectations. And even though I think that the Stradivarius album was great, I thought it was a little safe in the, in the sense that like what they did, they did perfectly, but it was just, you know, they didn't really push the envelope. It was just a very, very, very solid album. Whereas here, I thought they actually pushed the envelope in a number of different ways. And for that reason, uh, but but still maintaining that core sound that they you know have had for now decades. Uh, number four for me, really, really good disc. Um, and, and I'm glad we covered it because it just gave me an excuse to listen to it nonstop. But having gone back to it, it's just as good as I remember it a couple of months ago. So I, I'm with you 100%. Now, I want to just close out my list by saying this. I don't remember the exact score I gave it. I want to say it was either an 8.5 or an 8.75. But just as a a point of reference, that was the kind of year it was for me where there wasn't really anything that kind of got into that 9 to 10 area. Um, Maybe with time, you know, how certain things, the, the nostalgia factor kicks in. But that, I just want to kind of point out that for whatever reason, it just kind of worked out that last year or the year before, I should say, we also did a long form um, cover of the, uh, of the album that I ended up ranking number one and you did as well, which was 
Halloween self-titled album, which I gave a nine and 9.5. So that kind of just kind of shows you the difference in, in what I think the overall quality of albums were this year. But again, I agree with you that ranking them was the hardest part because there were so many albums that probably from like my, from like 70 to like 20 for me were all in that seven to 7.5 kind of range. And like you said, depending on what you were in the mood for, I could have listened to arch enemy or Megadeth or poets of the fall. Um, depending on my mood. Um, so, and, and uh, you know, I'll mention if you have any of these bands that were in my outside of my top 25, I'll mention them and I'll, I'll post the list, uh, along, you know, we'll post both our lists, um, you know, d- uh, probably this weekend at some point, but, uh, uh, which by the time you listen to this will have already happened. So you'll, you'll <laughs> be able to see the list. It's online now. Um, but that's kind of my little, uh, wrap up for, for my year. I, I just thought it was, very difficult to order things, but uh, I did my best. Um, I'm going to try to do, try to listen to, to the albums a, a more times uh, this year. I'm going to be a little bit more diligent about, um, you know, not trying to rank things I've only heard like you know two or three times. So uh, as tough as it is with the volume that comes out, yeah. Because I think that a an al- like an album like the Amorphous album may have ranked higher if I had listened to it more and let it sink in more, but. You know, it is what it is, and you can only, there's only so much time you have, and you know, whatever. It's not, it's not my primary job, so <laughs> I can't feel too bad about it. But uh, a lot of, but just a ton of really good stuff. And I will say, thanks to you, I never in my life would have thought I'd been able to have, make a list where not just 25, not just 50, but I have a list of 70 albums this year that I ranked. I mean, because and that's I'm, just what's ranked. That's not necessarily what you listen to. Yeah, okay? sure I, albums that- I, I took, I deleted uh, a number of albums off the list that just didn't make the list. And that some of them might get mentioned when we start talking about some of the other categories as far as disappointments go, but they um, just couldn't cut the mustard. Yeah. Uh, just like, uh, just like Hulk Hogan once accused X-Pac of not being able to do, um, but uh, yeah, uh, just uh, uh, there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to mention, and that's why I kept them on the list, and that's why I'll release that that full list at, at a certain point in time. Um, maybe I'll even make a playlist, much like yours. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my little wrap up, and I'm I'm really excited to hear about um, your list. All right, let's get to this momentarily. All right, so as we kind of go through this. I'll do my top 25, um, many of which you've actually talked about. I think we had one, two, three, four, five. We had, you had eight out of my top 25. So right off the bat, quite a bit of overlap. I just want to mention a few albums that kind of were in the 26 to 50 category, but I feel like for one reason or another, they are just kind of worth mentioning, or I'll drop a line about a, a few of these because, well, the floor is mine and that's what I want to do. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, one album that came in at number 49 was a, an album called Gladdenfold. And it's like this folky power metal mixed with melodic death metal. Really, really interesting sound. Really, really different. Um, I know some of the guys over um, on the MSR cast were talking about it. I think this album is fantastic. Um, I Actually, it's something that I still listen to on a regular basis. Well worth checking out. Uh, another one, which... Uh, is, I didn't hear that one. I'm going to have to check that one yeah, out. Yeah, I think you'll love that album. And... and 
I'd love to hear your thoughts next week if you can give it a listen before we uh, record next week. I, I, yeah, I, if you, actually, just remind me because no problem. I'll, my memory is not what it once was. It's, I I can understand that completely. So <laughs> glad glad and full. But I'll I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely make sure that you you hear that. Uh, another one that I wanted to mention, and again, I'm just kind of going through the list. Um, Garia or Garia G A E R E A, and the album is called Mirage. This album is by far the heaviest album on the list. It is just pure, raw, like unadulterated emotion. And I listen to this thing a ton. And every time I listen to it, I've heard new things. Not accessible, dare I say, the darkest blackest, deathiest thing that's on my list with the exception of maybe one other one, but really, really cool. The band is coming to the States uh, in t- later this year, and I actually would love to see them live. I think they're phenomenal. I, I cannot believe in the same podcast we have mentioned former tag team partners Rick Martell and Tony Gurria <laughs> in the same episode. Uh, what well, an unbelievable well, coincidence. Well done. Um, I love it. Uh, another album, which yeah, I'm... That was so- another, that's another one I haven't heard yet either. So I'm going to... I, I want you to listen just because I feel like I'm just curious, but that we, we won't talk about that. Yeah. I feel well, like I, do, I do look, I always look forward to um, when you come out with your playlist, which you would do even before we had the podcast. So it'll give me a taste. You'll get a taste. You'll get a taste for some. Yeah. Things. Some of the stuff that I missed. I was surprised, a little surprised that you didn't have two bands. Number 42. I have eternal ascent, which I thought was just a really good power metal album. Um, and number was- 40. I'll just say it just missed. It was at 26 yeah. for me. I thought I thought <laughs> you were going to have it in yours, so it really did just miss. And another one I thought you might have was Fallen Sanctuary um, with the singer from, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Serenity's George. Yeah, Murray. I had that at uh, 36. Okay. Um, another surprise for me was number 38, The New Coheed in Cambria. This album was amazing, and like I couldn't believe it because I kind of – disregarded the band after the last few releases really really good album um so high that it's again it's in my top 40 uh i think well, tyler worth, will be happy to hear that he's a big yeah fan. I, he, yeah definitely um definitely a surprise um and then the other one brimey or voices in the sky which was almost like children of bodom with that pa- like that power metal sound but they have the darker vocals uh, really, really underrated band and a very, very solid, solid effort. I I enjoyed that disc quite a bit. I had that at uh, number fifty-two. Oh, nice, very nice. So, just wanted to mention that one, and then the last one I wanted to just kind of give a mention to was number twenty-six, and this is uh, Queen's "The Great Below." This was my black metal album of the year. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal production. Uh, and I saw this on a lot of other people's top 25 lists or top 10 lists or top 20 lists or what have you. I totally understand why. I thought this album was great. It was in my top 25 for a long, long time. And if you get me in the right mood, it probably goes right back into the number 12 spot. But when I finalized the list, I was listening to more mainstream or quote unquote mainstream stuff. So it just missed the cut at 26. Non-black but- metal. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so with, with that backdrop, let's get into it. Uh, at number 25, I had another album, which I'm kind of surprised you didn't have just because it's flower power metal and, and that's Fellowships, the Saberlight Chronicles. I had it at number 50. Um, I, I listened to it a couple of times and I liked it a lot. Um, but it, there were just so many other albums that I just liked a, a touch more. Okay. Um, even the the that band uh, Perpetual Fire, I think they're 
from South America, I forgot which country. Um, I had them one slot even ahead of Fellowship. I know that was high on a lot of people's lists, and I liked it a lot. And, and maybe if I had listened to it more, it would have resonated. It was definitely on my radar. It just didn't rank as high as I thought it might have. This um, this UK band is many people are already heralding them as like kind of the next great thing in power metal. As as this was a debut album for them. I, I definitely slow- got uh, I definitely got Twilight Force vibes, hundred percent, and and I would slow the roll there a little bit. I don't, I'm not ready to crown them as the the new wave of of power metal, but this was a really good debut album, and I can understand why it got high praise. It just, I, I I'm not ready to crown them as like the next Halloween or anything like that. Let's let's see what they do next. Sure, fair um, enough. No, number twenty four, I have Devin Townsend's Lightwork. This album was. Part of the reason it made the list is because I just played it so much. Um, really, really interesting between the first disc, which is kind of atmospheric and and the, a very liberal use of keyboards and other um, electronic instruments and whatnot. And then the second disc, which was almost, almost strapping young lad and how heavy some of those songs were on the second disc, although it's technically a bonus disc. I like this album a lot. I, I feel like this is another album that has room for growth just because it is so dense. Um, but I listened to it a ton when it came out and I listened to it again last week. I just, um, for some reason, I kept going back to it because I knew that every time I would listen, I would hear something new. And that's kind of what excited me. Oddly enough, I have them right next to Fellowship on my list. Also, oh, funny. At number, I had them at number 51. I think I would have ranked it higher if I li- I waited until the end of the year to listen to it and oddly enough I enjoyed the first disc more than the second disc I kind of like the more uh chill Devin um it, it just it, it's super catchy to me um I, I liked it a lot I think uh but I think it was t- too dense to only listen to a handful of times and that's what I ended this, up doing this it was an album you needed to have kind of marinate and grow and if right. you didn't spend the time with it I'm not surprised that it wasn't higher, but it's something you may want to go back to. And quite frankly, I very much look forward to seeing him live because I think that some of this stuff will just absolutely be fantastic in a live setting. So I look forward to that. Uh, Number 23, an album that you mentioned briefly earlier, and that's Evergrey's A Heartless Portrait. They have been consistently putting out good albums, especially the last three. Very, very good. The only reason this is not higher on my list is it just sounds very similar to the last two albums that they put out, which were, again, very both very good. Um, I will always say that In Search of Truth is their best album, and this does not sound like that. But at the same time, um, they lost me for a little bit uh, around the 2005 when they were kind of putting out albums that were just... I don't know, I thought a little bit flat, but it's nice to have them back. Uh, and you must have liked it if it even was on your top 50 list at some point. Yes, I had it at number 48. Um, I I feel like each album they come out with, there's more crunchy tracks and less kind of mid-tempo kind of sleepy tracks. And this one, <laughs> I feel like this was like their most up-tempo album yet. Um, I... I didn't, there were no, I, I don't think there were any songs that I thought were like boring or uninteresting. I, I just liked it a lot. I, I uh, nice. Listen, uh, yeah, very, I was very, I very was, respectable if it's in, if it's in the top 50. We have not covered them on the podcast. So I feel like 2023 might be the year. 
Saturday morning apocalypse. Let's do it. <laughs> I like it. Um, at number 22, I have uh, the, the Halo Effect, Days of the Lost. This album was a debut, but from a number of seasoned musicians, all of whom uh, had been in flames. I just thought the songwriting was really, really tight on this one. I think that um, it's one of those melodic death metal albums that I kept going back to. And I just thought that you could tell that they were like the consummate pros. I will definitely be checking out their set in in Atlanta. I I think that it's going to be really, really good. I suspect they'll play most, if not all of this album and probably a couple of in flames tracks. And that is good enough for me. Uh, I had them on at number 67. Um, It, it was an album I enjoyed every time I listened to it. It's just not quite my Couple sort of, of thing, I guess. But uh, I still happen to like it. Um, and and I, I'm definitely uh, planning on checking them out at, at Prague Power as well, just because I think that the album was really strong. And um, the the, uh, the the I think that the um, the songwriting kind of uh, really carries it to the point where I don't mind that the vocals are a little bit on the harsher side. But uh, I, I've seen this pretty high on a lot of people's lists, and I totally understand why. Perfect. Um, I talked about Nocturna, so we jumped to number 20, which is uh, another Canadian band. And this is Borealis with their new album, Illusions. Um, the Evergrey worship is still strong, but at this point, they may be doing it better than Evergrey because I have them higher on my list. The reason being is not only do they do the whole Evergrey worship thing, but they've kind of morphed into their own or forged their own sound. Really, really good. I feel like their songwriting has gotten better over time. And I, I can see the slow evolution of this band, a band that like nobody was talking about 10 years ago. And now they're releasing, at least for me, albums that were you know up in my top 20. Very, very good stuff. I added it uh, 64. Um, okay. Just a, another really enjoyable album, but kind of fell into that kind of bottom mix of really enjoyable albums that I listened to last year. Uh, very good, very good. Uh, and then we go to number 19, which is another Canadian band. And this is a band that I, I'm not even sure that you're familiar with, but the band is called Osiren. The album is called Momentous. And this was a huge surprise for me. This is a Canadian band that basically outdid Queensryche at their own game this year. And I thought that the new Queensryche album was quite good. I think it was a little too long. I think that you could have probably taken three or four tracks off of it and actually made it a better album. But the Osiren album from beginning to end was fantastic. And it has a little bit of everything here. It has the Queensryche. It has a touch of power metal, a touch of like, Jag Panzerish traditional metal. There's a lot going on here, uh, but it's really, really, really well done. And I feel like they're not being talked about enough. That's not why I have them on the list, but it made it to number 19. And yet I'm not hearing anybody talk about these guys. I think I heard uh, one or two songs from this album, but I, I definitely didn't sent to... you one song. I know yeah. for a fact because I didn't listen to the whole thing though. So um, I remember liking what I heard. That's well, all you'll, really you'll hear say. it again on my on my playlist. So that that's uh, that's number nineteen. Number eighteen was another kind of surprise for me. Uh, this is a band that's been around for a long time, and it's a band that actually played Prague Power uh, back one of the few years that I just could not attend the festival. And this was Prague Power Nine. The band is Spheric Universe Experience out of France. The album is called Back Home, and I always liked this band, but 
I wouldn't say I never loved them. I just, you know, it was one of those bands I would listen to, I appreciated, and then I would kind of move on to something else. But this new album, they hit the nail on the head with this one. And it's the way I would describe it is kind of quirky modern prog, but with a nod to the old school in, in, in that you kind of hear like the dream theater vibes here and there, but it doesn't permeate the entire disc. It, it keeps it fresh. And the keyboards on this album were just absolutely fantastic. And, um, well worth checking out if if you've never heard them. Uh, I list, I think I listened to this album like once, and um, it was fine. It just I didn't listen to it enough to for it to crack the list. But I definitely totally. I definitely listened to it. Uh, makes makes sense. Uh, number seventeen is another album which was a surprise to me that you didn't have, and that's Mantric Momentum's Trial by Fire. And and the reason I'm surprised is you basically take pyramids or pyramids you add divided multitude and what do you get a top 20 album that just clicked with me right away um it got better with every listen and i don't think it was as good as the new the newest pyramids album which was a top three album the year that it came out but it was really really good and really enjoyable and i know brian clough uh is probably mad that this is not in my top three but i do uh, the fact is it's at number 17 and that's very very good yeah, I had it at number thirty-five. I, I liked it a lot, um, but it, you know, again, just kind of lost in the shuffle of of seven point fives. You know, I completely understand. I, I, I thirty-five is still very, very good. And like I said, you could listen to it tomorrow, and it could be at twenty-two. I think it's all kind of in that same range. Which yeah, is at least- it's definitely, I definitely one of my favorite uh, vocals of the year. I will say that. No, no, no doubt about that. Uh, number 16, an album that you briefly mentioned earlier, and that's Poets of the Fall, their new album, Ghostlight. What can I say about this album or, or this band? They just put a smile on my face. They don't sound like anyone else, and that's probably why I like them as much as I do. Um, they should be a massive international success, and it is a shame that they are not more popular than they are. And I, I mean, they have a good following, but... They should be superstars. And this album was no different. I just thought that perfect production, that alt rock slash metal sound, and one of the best vocalists in the genre, it was the perfect change of pace disc for me. And I didn't even play it that much, but every time I put it on, I'm just, it would just put a smile on my face. I, I couldn't have put anything you just said better. I, I, they just missed my top 25. I had them at 27. Um, but uh, it's always, I, I, they're, They've only been on my radar, I think, for their last two releases, and I've enjoyed both of them very much. Uh, at least their last two full, you know, full-length studio albums, not counting the live stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, th- this band's definitely um, been uh, one of my favorites since I've become aware of them. Just uh, really, be- mostly because of just how different it is from everything else, and I think that's really helps make it stand out. But uh, yeah, I thought this album was very good. There, there are times where I will go back and listen to them, and I actually have difficulty deciding which album to put on because you can't go wrong with any of them. I don't know that any of their albums are nines or nines and a halves, but I feel like every album is in like that 7.5 to 7.75, maybe an eight range, and it's just they're all consistently good, and this was no exception. Very, very good stuff. Um, now we get into our or my top 15 with – Probably the best album in a genre which was surprisingly really, really good for for me this year. And the the genre 
is Doom. I I thought there were a ton of very good Doom albums, the new Candle Mass, um, and, and a lot of Doom death bands where they would have kind of like the growling vocals over the top of the Doom metal. I for for somebody who's always been very picky in that genre, I listened to a lot of it this year. I don't know that it's to the point where it's going to just permeate my top 50, but I wanted to represent them high because this, just as a genre, it did very, very well this year. But I put at number 15, Democracy. The album is called Unorthodox, and this was probably like my favorite album in the genre. And basically, this is the Greek version of Candlemas. Just really, really solid doom, clean vocals, and what separated this from some of the other stuff is just that the album had a lot of hooks. And so it was just easier to listen to than some of the other stuff, even though I listened to a ton in this genre. Yeah. I saw that you uh, and a few others had mentioned it uh, late in the year. I didn't get a chance to check it out though. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing it on your playlist. Cool. Um, Number 14, another prog album, the band with their second release called the Sentinel, the album, or should say the artist was all things fallen. This is the kind of prog that I feel like you would, probably enjoy in the sense that it's excellent production heavy on the keyboards cool songwriting and just the overall feel of this album i thought was even slightly better than the debut this doesn't seem to be a full-time band i think it'd been a solid four or five years since their last album and i just feel like if they were to put more time and energy into being a full-time band they could blow up like a haken or or um something like that but for whatever reason they it seems to be a side gig or a you know a secondary project but i thought the album was really good and it kind of caught me right away i i got i had a chance to i think listen to this once or twice um it didn't didn't really grab me uh it was um it was fine um but uh probably something i should probably go back and listen to again um i'm curious as to my number 13, which was an, an, a band that I talked about a ton last year, what did you think of Terramaze's Flight of the Wounded? Because this came in at number 13 for me, and I thought it was just, again, a band that is on fire. It was, you know, they were my MVPs of last year. They put out two phenomenal albums. Um, and, and I just remember listening to this quite a bit. And every time I listened to it, I liked it a little more, a little more, a little more. And it just made its way up the list. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. They're on fire right now. Um, I had them on my list at 57. And it, I think only because I completely didn't realize that the album came out until like early December, I think. Wow. And I listened to it and I liked it a lot, but uh, it just didn't get a chance to really marinate uh with me but like i always just find myself always really enjoying um so even with like a limited listen they were still they still ended up on the list so uh but yeah um just uh they always are just releasing consistently good stuff and uh this was no exception and i think probably would have ranked higher for me had i realized that it came out when it did (laughs) yeah uh, um Again, I think your your brand of prog. So I'm, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you got to at least listen to it. Um, for my number eleven album, I'll read my notes and then I'll kind of talk about the band. Quote: Arguably their most complete album and my favorite since their debut. 
I can't wait to see them at Prague Power. Unfortunately, they are no longer playing. The band is Shaman. The album is Rescue. This album was really, really good. And I, even though I, I think it's very hard to step into the shoes of Andre Matos, and when I say very hard, I mean impossible, I thought that this album was phenomenal. And I just thought that because I liked it so much, they'd be a fantastic addition, even if it wasn't Andre gracing the stage in Atlanta. But that has come and gone and unfortunately uh, will, will not be a thing next year. So, or I should say this year. So it is what it is, but I thought the album is still very, very good. Um, I just, it's one of those albums that I listened to a lot earlier on when it came out. I didn't listen to it as much later on, but it still stayed high because of, of my fond memories for it. Yeah, I liked it too. I had it at uh, 41. Um, I, I I share your sentiment that it's disappointing that they're not playing at Prog Power, but um, it is what it is. But yeah, it doesn't, it sounds like they're not really even a band anymore at this point. Um, but uh, well, if that's their last album, it was a good, it was a good they last album. They went out album. on a high note. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is, it is what it is, like you said. Um, and now, you know, we, I, we talked about some of the albums we had in common. It brings me to number seven. This album blew me away and we're getting into the point where we're getting to the tier of albums, which really separated themselves from the pack. I think my top 10 really did separate itself from like 11 to 50, if you will. But number seven, uh, the band is called Zeon. The album is called the Lydian. And this is just symphonic death metal at its absolute finest. This was the extreme, quote-unquote, metal album of the year. It blew me away the second I heard it. It stayed in heavy rotation throughout the entire year. Every single time I heard this album, I was picking up on things I didn't hear the last time. Um, Some of the catchiest, catchiest songs in a genre that you would never think is going to be catchy because, quite frankly, it was just so... Uh, heavy in spots, but they mix it up between like the heavy death metal and then like these melodic sections, which you can actually gravitate towards. Really, really, really good stuff. Um, if you've not heard this album, I give it my highest praise. You definitely have to check it out. Uh, I had it at number 66 and it was surprisingly better than I thought it would be. Um, 66 for this album for you, I feel like is a triple like that's really good <laughs> yeah i i just thought that um for like to, when you once you get beyond the the harsh vocals I, the music is just um it's it's this really great combination of symphonic and but like heavy music and it's uh i it just was a really cool marriage i thought and it it, it resonated with me for sure i feel like the epica fan in you probably made this more palatable than it otherwise might have been yeah, I agree. Um, definitely, I, I felt that the, that's why I left it on the list because I thought it was worth mentioning. Nice. I, I'm 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 happy it made it. Uh, we get we get to number six. Number six. Um, I had no business liking this album as much as I did, but I played it and I played it and I played it. I don't even know if it's a metal album. I'm not really sure what it was. And to this day, having listened to the album a bunch, I don't know what the hell you call it. But all I can say is it was catchy. It was quirky. And I'm 
almost embarrassed to say how much I absolutely enjoyed this disc, but the, the, the band is electric Callboy. and the <laughs> album is called techno. Holy smokes. What is this? I, I, I it's like German, German synth pop. I, I don't even know what you call it, but like it, it was, I, I mean, if you, if you can't, if you've never heard it, I'm not even sure how you describe it, but it was, um, it was intoxicating to me how, how good this album sounded. And I just kept listening to it over and over again. And then I would not tell anyone. And then I'd go back and listen to it again. That's that, that was my, that was electric Callboy for me. I, I think I listened to the album once and um, I, I think I, I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to make my life easier and take this out of the running just because <laughs> there's enough stuff I need to listen to. Um, it was, but it was just so like off the, just so offbeat um and and it was very enjoyable but i just um i decided to just not even put it in contention just to make things a little bit easier on myself but definitely see the appeal it's it's a lot of fun it's catchy i'll i'll leave it at that um number three my number three album for the year was right behind threshold in terms of um an album that well, uh, let me say it this way. When I first heard this album, I liked it. And then for whatever reason, I didn't play it again. But then when I revisited it, I couldn't put it down. And this is kind of a super group in a number of ways. The band and album is called Philosoph- sorry, Philosophobia. It features Christopher Gildenlow on bass, Alex Landenberg on drums, uh, and Dominic... I will not say the, the, the last name, but uh, a Greek last name. This was the singer from a band called Wastefall, who I adored 20 years ago. So it was a bit of a super group. And this album was catchy as hell. Uh, Damian Wilson makes a guest appearance on one of these tracks. It's just something about this debut album was it hit all the it, it hit all the, the right notes, so to speak. And I didn't think it was too technical, but at the same time, um, it just... I thought it was just beautiful songwriting and, and it was one of those albums that I kind of overlooked, but I'm so happy that I went back to it because it wound up being, you know, as high as it was on my list. Did you, uh, did you check this one out? I didn't even know about it, honestly. So okay. I'll, I'll have to give it a listen. And then, uh, I guess that brings us to, uh, number two was threshold. And then the number one album on my list, <sighs> where do I start? I first heard this album in December of 2021 and it kind of set like a high watermark for me. And all year I was looking for something to kind of dethrone this particular album and nothing did it. Even the threshold, which I loved just didn't eclipse Dawn of Solace's most recent album. And the the album is called Flames of Perdition I don't even know that this album would be number one for anyone but me, but it just struck all the right notes for me. It was um, very melancholy, very gray, but very um, the the production with the 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 way that the guitar tone just kind of resonated with me. The lyrics, um, it just. Maybe it was more of a speak a microcosm of, of of the year in general, but I went back to this album more than any other. I played it countless, countless times. I would not listen to it for two months. I'd go back to it 
I, I'd be like, you know what? This is still the album of the year. And that must have happened four or five times uh, where I would just go back to this thing after, after some sort of a break. And I just loved it. And then the irony is um, when you take a look at uh, Thomas Sokinen's other band, uh, Wolfheart, they didn't make the top 50, but it easily could have because he put out another album with his main band, which was one of the better melodic death metal albums of the year. But for some reason, Dawn of Solace just spoke spoke to me like no other. And it basically remained my number one album for 13 months. That's uh, really very uh, well stated. I, I, I did listen to it. It was just kind of uh, that just Slow a little bit plotting too- for you. Yeah, it was a little just too dreary. Um, I, I gave it a couple of listens, and it just didn't it just didn't click with me. But uh, that, that's cool that um, we have such very different albums at number one. Yeah, I just I couldn't I I and I understand why you have the Dragonland there. Obviously, mine you know it's up there for me as well. But I just kept going back to this album, and like now that I'm talking about it again, I want to go listen to it. So I guess that I guess I have it in the right spot. Um, but, yep, that's my list in a nutshell. I, I look forward to posting it. Uh, there's a number of albums that I did like that I did not discuss, uh, but I don't want to get into all of them right now just because we'll be here all night. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, other categories. Um, one in particular, Song of the Year. Did anything jump out to you as, like, far and away the Song of the Year? Uh, not really, but I I have a... a- I have a pick because it's potentially the last year I'm ever going to be able to say that this band is my song of the year. So um, Power Quests, now is the time. Uh, it's the one song they released in 2022. Um, and uh, it's 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 just, you know, it's Power Quest. I love it. So I, I have it as my best non-album single. So... Yeah, it's on well, that, that'll be well. that for it for me as well. Well, I figured, yeah. It's very, very good. Um a shame, but at the same time, uh, ha- happy that uh, we got to hear one more tune at the very least. Um, another c- category I have here is best debut album, the Philosophobia, the Fellowship, the Halo Effect, that all of which I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm assuming the best debut album would come right from your top, you know, your top list that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised to have so many debut albums in the top 25, um, but yeah, Nocturna was the uh, the highest one. Uh, just ahead of Empress, but um, you know, Emmatropia and She Wolf and Verlinia all um, worth mentioning as well. I, I, that they were all in my top twenty-five, and all all uh, female fronted as well. So a lot of a lot of good stuff coming from that area. Talk to me a little bit about some of your biggest disappointments because I have a handful and probably far too many to talk about, but I want, I'll mention a few of them momentarily. Yeah. I have three power metal albums right off the top of my head that, um, were disappointing to me. Um, first off being, uh, Alestorm's, um, release, uh, from this year. And, uh, I just want to pull it up so I could at least tell, say the name of the damn album. Um, but after, after absolutely loving, um, which we definitely disagreed on, but uh, after absolutely loving uh, Curse of the Crystal Coconut, I, I thought it was, <laughs> I, for whatever reason, it just it just hit all the right notes for me. I think it was, it might have been in my top 
Was it my, it might I don't know if it was my number one album that year, but it was in my top three. I mean, I liked it that much. Um, this, th- this follow up, Seventh Rum of a Seventh Rum, is like the half assed version of the last album, where like there's a couple of like good old fashioned Ailstorm tunes, but overall it just was so derivative. And to say that a band that already is a derivative band released a derivative album is not a good thing. Uh, it just to, for it to fall from like the last album being in my top three to the next album, not even being in my top 70. Um, and, and granted some of the, the, you know, issues with the band probably permeated that a little bit, but I just think, looking at this solely music music wise, I just don't think it was nearly as, as good of an album as the previous one. So that was a disappointment for me. I also really was disappointed with, um, Victorious's, uh, release. I feel like they've gotten too goofy for their own good. Um, (laughs) I enjoyed space ninjas from hell. I think they, it was on at least in my top 50, uh, two years ago. Um, but Dinosaur Warfare Part 2, man, they just lost me on this one, man. It was just, the music is catchy and it's good and everything, but the the content is so ridiculous. I, I, I think I even had it underneath Ailstorm, for Christ's sake. Like, it was just so, it, it, I don't know, it just did not hit for me. Um, and then the third band was Trick or Treat, who I usually really like. Um, I didn't think the album was bad. It was just kind of run of the mill and it just didn't, it didn't really make it onto the list. I don't know that I would call that a huge disappointment, but it just, the fact that it didn't even make the top 70, I guess, would be considered a disappointment. And I guess just, just to circle back, just Blind Guardian only coming in at 25, I guess, could be considered somewhat disappointing as well. Yeah. I, I, can't argue with any of those. I'll just add a couple. I thought the newest Behemoth album, which I had high expectations for, really missed the mark for me. It doesn't appear on my list. Um, it had a couple of very good tracks, but for the most part, I thought it was a kind of a snoozer. I thought the new Hardcore Superstar was pretty terrible. I think it had one or two tracks that I liked. The rest of it, I could take or leave. Kind of goes back to what we talked about of you know having like kind of their best of. I don't know if any of the tracks on this album would have even made my best of. That's how weak I thought the material was. And then lastly, and this is a bit of a surprise because I'll talk about them in a bit. I thought the new Porcupine Tree album was very weak and I wanted to like it and I listened to it a bunch. It was much better live, but on the album itself, I just didn't think it was that great. And I know I am in the minority there. I know other people that have this very, very high up on their lists, but I expected more after a 10 year hiatus and it just didn't grab me. Yeah. I thought it was just fine. It didn't make my list either. Um, but, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess that would be kind of considered disappointing. Um, where did you have, if at all, um, the, uh, uh, who's the band that did the dark third, um, blanket on the name. Oh, pure reason revolution. Yeah. Were, Were they on your list? Not disappointing. Uh, it just not on my list. I didn't think I thought the album was better than the I thought it was better than the Porcupine Tree album, but it just I listened to it a ton because I just think that the Dark Third is a top two album for me of all time or a top three album. It just didn't grab me. I, I it was fine. I listened to it a lot. I enjoyed it for what it was. 
but it's not going to make any year end list, but it wasn't disappointing. It was fine. It was just like another release and I'll look forward to the next one. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I have to say like, as somebody who's known you a long time, I would consider that, that porcupine tree and, um, what, again, what name, what's their name again? Pure Reason Revolution. Pure Reason Revolution not Easy being in your top 25 in a year that they released albums is a little bit surprising, honestly. I'll, I'll say this about um, Pure Reason. The Dark Third is such a good album that I don't think that they've come close to that album since. Even their last album, which I liked quite a bit, I think it was only in the, the top... 25 like it was not a top three album for me just because that's like a generational album for me so but i can't even say i'm disappointed in porcupine tree i love a lot of their work but the reason that was a real big disappointment was because it was their comeback album and then they just for me laid an egg but live totally different story and i'll like i said i'll talk about them uh in a bit i'm curious to know you know in terms of like cover art anything jump out at you uh, not, honestly, not really. Um, it, it's just something that when you're like a digital person, you just yeah. don't appreciate it. And I know like we have friends that are huge vinyl nuts. Uh, you know, I think I'm thinking of pad and I'm thinking of Glenn and, um, just, you get to really appreciate cover art so much more when you have that big ass, album right in front of you i mean even cds you don't get like that the same you know experience um so i can't say that there's anything that particularly stood out um how about you just a pair of uh, album covers that i enjoyed and i really don't have much else to say other than i like them half all that was promised it was more of like a death metal band that i thought the album art really kind of fit the mood for the for the album and uh, a prog rock band, Moontooth, the album is called Phototroph. Very cool album. Kind of like a moron police, but just not as quirky, I guess. Uh, but same type of vein. Very cool album. Very cool artwork. Um, but those, those, are, those are just two. Um, another, another category we often talk about is best comeback album. I'll put it out there. I was shocked at how much I enjoyed the new Imminent Sonic Destruction album. I thought that that album was very good. And every time I listened to it, I thought of Knops because I feel like he probably just ate this album up. I don't, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the band, but I thought that for a band that hadn't released an album in a while, they did a really good job and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah, this one, I, I don't know that I put, um, a ton of thought into it, but there were some bands that popped up that like I, that ended up on my list that I was a little bit surprised by, um, even though they were kind of in like the top 50 rather than the top 25. But uh, I thought the new Megadeth album was their uh, best album in a while. I really enjoyed. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, um I lost where I lost them on the list. Um, Arch Enemy. Um, yes, yes, that yes, album yes. was was quite good. I think having a, a, a list, Elisa do some a little bit more cleans, kind of added a little more depth to the album. I totally agree with that. Um, and and like I said, I thought uh, the battle the Battle Beast was quite an improvement over their previous album. Um, if I guess if you want to count Star One as an improvement over Arion, <laughs> uh, you could say that um 
But uh, a lot of a lot of my lists are either like first timers or repeat offenders in a good way. So uh, you know, um, yeah, I guess I'll just uh, I guess I'll just leave it at that. All right, I like it. I like it. Um, the biggest uh, well, actually, well, let's do best concert. Oh boy. Um, I have to say it for me. I, I I think it was Iron Maiden actually, which I saw with you. I just for whatever reason, and it might have just been that guy just smoking an awful lot of pot in front of us. <laughs> um, I just was I having so much fun and just like banging my head and just like I, just sitting there and and just the being in that like dead center, like just watching everything. Like I just. Man, it was just so much, uh, so much fun. Like I just had such a, a blast, and and uh, I, I I would say that was probably the most fun that I had. Um, I, I, I I'm, I'm like, even though Prague Power was in June, it's like it feels like it was forever ago. I, I almost have to pull up the uh, the list of bands that played just to kind of to jog my memory, it's starting to come back to me now. I, I will say, and I know I've mentioned this before, but um, shout out to, uh, to, to Milton, his, his day two uh, of prog power this year was probably the most fun I had just seeing a slew of bands start to finish. Um, Spectra, Will to Run, Seven Spires, Pain of Salvation, Stradivarius. I never left, the floor. I, I don't even think I sat down, which is tough to do. Uh, you know, I was, I, I was a day before, two days before turning 40. Uh, <laughs> but man, I had so just the perfect buzz. Uh, the bands were great. Stradivarius just kicked ass with this old school set, which I think Rhapsody did something very similar to close out uh, the festival. So um, con- also conception was out of this world as well. And uh, I, really should mention that as well all all of that was great the irony for me is as much as i kind of crapped on the porcupine tree album they put on the best show i saw all year i saw them at radio city music hall they played for like three hours they played the entire new album but they didn't play it straight through they kind of interspersed all the songs throughout a greatest hits set list and it was just so well done and I kind of knew that I was in for something special when the show started. I hadn't seen the set list and I kind of thought that they might play the entire new album. And I was a little concerned. And the first song they played was Blackest Eyes, which is kind of one of their classics uh, off In Absentia going back almost 25 years. But like when they opened with that song, I said, oh, we're in for something special because it was just not expecting them to open up with one of these classic songs that I loved, you know, that I've loved for decades now. And this, the, the whole show was awesome. They played one or two songs that I never expected them to play live. So they would play greatest hits. They'd play some of the deeper cuts that fans like me just absolutely went bananas for. Um, and, and, and in a perfect venue, right? Like radio city, one of the most iconic venues in front of 6,000 people and porcupine tree just absolutely tore the place up. It was phenomenal. And I'll tell you this, Steven Wilson, for all his quirks, was always kind of like a not the most endearing personality. Douche. The word you're looking for is douche. Yes, that is the word. <laughs> but that's the irony. At this particular show, and from what I understand, this 
this version of Stephen Wilson is like a new man. He was telling jokes. He was jovial. He wasn't taking himself too seriously. And it was like really refreshing for me. The whole thing was perfect. It was my, it was my concert of the year. And you probably mentioned concerts two through seven because everything you mentioned was also awesome. Yeah, I, I, I kind of forgot about just how great conception was and finally getting to see Roy Khan live and, and just the whole, uh, the whole experience and, you know, for a band that like, I don't think they play a ton of shows live and they weren't a band for 20 something years. They were unbelievably tight. I mean, that was a really impressive, uh, performance. So definitely yeah. wanted to mention that, but I think I would definitely say Iron Maiden was the most fun I had all year at a show. What about your uh, biggest surprise album? Um, I, I probably also would give that to um, Nocturna, just because the, the, never, the band didn't exist prior to this year. So, like that, I don't know. Do you, do you are you talking about more of like a, a an established band that was a surprise, or like a, however you want to interpret it? Yeah, um, I. I I was surprised that uh, an acoustic Sonata Artica album made it in my top 25. That was go. a very pleasant surprise, I thought. Um, I guess just to, in a more general sense, to kind of repeat what I said before, I was surprised that so many uh, first-time albums or first you know debut albums were in the top 25. I think that really bodes well for just the future of, of metal, especially in that symphonic genre that i so much uh enjoy um but uh yeah i a lot of most of the stuff that ended up in my top 10 wasn't terribly surprising kiss and dynamite was a pleasant surprise being as high on the list for me um they were a, a lovely a surprise addition <laughs> to now a band that i'm going to be paying very close attention to going forward Nice. I, I, for me, it has to be Electric Callboy just because I, I couldn't believe how much I loved it. And that was a, definitely a surprise. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the Coheed and Cambria was fantastic as well. And just I never expected to put them as high as I would. Um, best cover song. Oh, that is. Uh... And I got to be honest, I don't have an answer for this. I don't I'm not sure that there was one that potentially jumped out. I thought Seven Kingdoms did a couple of really cool covers. So I wanted to I'll, I'll mention them. Um, but other than that, I don't know that I really have one. I, um, you know what? I will. I'll say this. Um, Tommy Johansson from Sabaton slash Majestica um, really upped his his YouTube game uh, in twenty twenty two, and he did a a crap ton of uh, covers and. I absolutely loved his version of Elton John's "I'm Still Standing." I, I that was cool. Yeah. Just hearing a, a power metal version of one of my favorite kind of like pop rock kind of songs um, was really cool. He did a ton of like Disney version of Sabaton songs, and uh, you know he did "Basket Case" by Green Day, and, and a lot of interesting uh, covers. But that was the one that really uh, stuck out to me. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, um, seven kingdoms, um, they were on my list at number 34. Um, I think Zenith is their best album yet. I feel like this band just gets better and better. And they did a really great cover of, uh, Joan Jett's I hate myself for loving you. And they always do a good cover. I mean, they did a great version of, uh, Barracuda. Um, they do a great cover of the boys of summer, which they perform live, um, I'm glad that they're going to get to play at Prague Power, and I look forward to seeing them on that big 
uh, center stage stage. So uh, those are just a couple, but uh, it wasn't a super strong year for covers, I would say. I my 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 best cover this year was still my best cover from last year, and that's the Lord doing the Iron Maiden better than Iron Maiden. So I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll say that I'll, I'll go back to that. Um, Lord about, makes the list after not releasing anything the whole year. That's, yes, that's, that's impressive. right. Con, 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 congratulations. <laughs> um, talk to me about best EP because I, I had two that jumped out at me. Um, I'll I'll mention them briefly. The first is a band out of Houston, Texas called Anova Skyway. They came out with an EP called Reset. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, Prague kind of rock, a little bit of alt rock thrown in, a little bit of metal thrown in. Really, really good. I think they have a bright future. And another band called Egress, E-G-R-E-S, EP called Introspection. I'm not even going to say anything. Just go check it out. I listened to both of those EPs on your recommendation, and uh, I enjoyed both of them quite a bit. Um, I'm going to throw this one out though to my, my main guys in power glove. They released a a short EP called flawless victory. And for no other reason than having a cover of big blue from F zero, which is one of the greatest video game songs ever Um, worth it just for that. But uh, I'll also throw a shout out to um, my friends, Ash and uh, Brad Dandera, uh, Edison from Dendera, um, they released a uh, a live EP, uh, yeah. Blood Red Sky, live in Europe. So uh, I want to listen to that a lot. Yeah, so mention I, I'm, I'm mention them as well because uh, good stuff. Your as we as we wind this down, your most anticipated release for this year. Oh boy, it's it's hard to say um, because of I'm shocked at the sheer number of albums that I'm already. Uh, excited about um i'm kind of hoping beast in black releases an album this year even though there's been no indication that they they will um uh, i uh but um it, it's you know it's probably delane's dark waters just because you know from what i've heard so far it, it's been really good and just kind of this it almost feels like um Martine is kind of throwing back to the early first two album days of Delane with a, you know, a fresh new voice and um, some of the, the older band members, Marco Hayatala is going to make an appearance on the album. So um, that's definitely on my list uh, followed by closely by uh, Twilight Force uh, ad infinitum and um, beyond the black, all albums I'm really excited for. I think that's a, I think the Delane is a great choice. My answer, or at least when I kind of had this written out, was was Lord of the Lost, and then those jerks put the album out in December, <laughs> so it took the wind out of my so sail. now so now it's Camelot for you. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's that's exactly what it is. No, actually, uh, kidding aside, the Camelot single is a lot better than people are giving it credit for. It kind of dropped earlier today. Well, that um, would involve but- people actually giving it any credit. <laughs> well, that's that's also fair. Uh, who who is your MVP of this year? You know, I, I it, it didn't dawn on me until I was actually reading over the list, but I, I got to give it to my main my main man and, and uh, the Kiss Steel and Ronnie Atkins uh, <laughs> because between his solo album coming in at number fifteen and Nordic Union coming in at number eleven, I think he had the uh, the best collective uh, uh, performance on my list. So I'll, I'll give it to Ronnie. I think he would be honorable mention for for me. 
I have to go with Thomas Sakinen. I mean, the guy puts out a great Wolfhard album. He puts out Dawn of Solace. He's in Before the Dawn, which was didn't come out with anything new, but I just I love them. He he, he gets it. He, it was in my number one album of the year. He put out two fan, fantastic albums, so I'll I'll give him the nod. Hey, you know what? Um, something I was a little surprised that didn't make your top twenty five, but I'm willing to bet it's in your top fifty. Where did you have Wilderun? Oh, I had that. We just out. Where did I have that? I have that at thirty three. I have it at thirty one. Okay, there yeah. you go. I, I thought that that album, you want to talk about dense. I mean, that, that might be the densest of all the dense yeah, albums. It, it helped that it came out really early in the year yes. because it almost felt like when I went back and listened to it again recently, I, it, it almost felt like it was older than an album that came out in 2022. And maybe because like, like January we, or yeah, February release. Maybe because yeah. we saw it perform live. I don't, or maybe some of the singles had come out in 2021. So maybe that's part of it. But, um, it, it, I felt like I listened to it more than almost anything else uh, last year. So, uh, but they're they're definitely a band to keep an eye on, and they were outstanding live. Yeah, and that's not accessible to Prague, so I'm almost surprised that you liked them as much as you did. Um, we talked about the best non-album single, uh, and I guess let's did wrap you up did the... you choose one? I don't. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, Power Quest. Now is the time. There's there's no question about that. Yeah, uh, there was a couple other ones I wanted to mention. Um, Voyager had this that song "Dreamer" that they um, they submitted to Eurovision, which I thought was uh, really good. That'll probably be my number two, and I I think it was only one of two songs that Voyager released uh, in twenty twenty two. Xandria released a couple of singles. Uh, it sounds like they're kind of hoping to make a comeback. I thought both tracks were really strong uh reborn and you will never be our god i don't know if those will end up on a full-length album but as of right now i believe they're only singles um and uh what else did i want to mention um serenity had a a really good track uh in the name of scotland that was uh not on any album and um one other thing i wanted to mention that i thought was so crazy um, before all the uh, the sadness with um, Taylor Hawkins passing away, uh, Dave Grohl released this track called March of the Insane under the, the band name Dream Widow. And it, it should make some people in metal nervous if, the, if he decides that he ever wants to be get involved in metal because the guy definitely has chops. Um, this was a, a wild, fast-paced, heavy-ass track that was... Like really caught me off guard, but it was really quite good. So definitely yeah, worth that mentioning. Was, uh, but Power I mean, Quest is you, definitely my choice, of course. Uh, so some good honorable mentions. That Dave Grohl track was definitely something else. Um, and then I guess my last question, and I'll be honest, I don't really have an answer to this. Best guest spot. Oh, good. That's a good one. Um, it, you know, it'll probably be Brittany um, on the Star One. Uh, I, I just. I know I mentioned it earlier, but I just, the, the way that that, there's something about all three Star One albums, how the first, I mean, the, the first two albums had like an intro track, which I don't think the uh, the third one did, but that first full length song on all three of those albums is such a just out of this world. I, I almost would call it, even though like we consider RN to be more prog, they're almost like power metal type songs. Um this was uh, no no exception, and the, the it just kicks the album off with such a powerful way, and she is just such a force. 
and I just look forward to any time I get to see her perform because she's so good. But uh, that would be my um, my my definite, uh, at least the most memorable to me. Nice. I, like I said, I don't have one, but I can certainly um, I can certainly see why. And I think that kind of puts a bow on 2022 uh, as we as we record this in the middle of January. I don't have any albums really in my top 50 for next for, for, for 2023. So I guess we're off to a bit of a slow start. Although I think a bunch of albums are coming out tomorrow. Yeah. We might tomorrow. It might be another story. We, we might, we might tomorrow. So, uh, be that as it may, that brings us to finally next week. And I, you know, I, I had an album picked out. I was all set to go with it. I even listened to it once because I figured, let me just get a bit of a head start. And then we found out the about the uh, unfortunate and untimely passing of Jeff Beck, who is a absolute guitar legend. And quite frankly, I was doing a little bit of research as I saw all these tributes by different artists, for everybody from Paul McCartney to Motorhead. I mean, everyone had nothing but great things to say about this guy. And I realized... I don't know that I'm terribly familiar with much of his work. And so I kind of went through the discography a bit and I said to myself, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do something a bit different next week. We're going to do the Yardbirds Roger the Engineer album, which was kind of his first um, full length foray into, into, uh, into obviously music with the Yardbirds. It would be the only album he would record with them. But it would be before he kind of hit it big with some of his other solo material and some of the other projects that he would work on. So let's let's do something different next week. Let's do a uh, let's do a little bit of a um, a tribute, if you will, to the late great Jeff Beck, and let's let's listen to Roger the Engineer going back to 1966. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I am painfully uh, just unaware of so much of, of or. I just know more than I think I do. Uh, but as far as like song titles go, I just, uh, I know what a legend he was, but I, I just, um, little wing is the song that I just comes, it comes back to me because Pearl jams covered it so many times, but, uh, yeah, this is definitely, I think going to be another one of those education episodes for me, which is, um, for, for me as well. And this is obviously, you know, he, he gets credit because obviously this was, you know, sixties, you know british rock but at the same time one of the first hard rock albums maybe i don't know let's well that we'll we'll make that determination next week but i know that a lot of people kind of talk about this as the genesis of that 70s hard rock wave even though it was 1966 so i thought being that being that the the that he passed away i thought it would be a fitting tribute and something a little bit different and i'll kind of put what i had uh, in store on ice for a little bit. I have a feeling it'll be timely at some other point later this year. Uh, being that I know what it is, I agree with you. But uh, <laughs> I, I did give you a sneak peek uh, earlier. I, I did run this one by yeah. you. So, and it's uh, something that I wanted to, to listen to anyway. So um, we'll definitely circle back to it uh, later on. I, I like it. So uh, thanks for doing this. This was a, a ton of fun. I look forward to... Um, listening to the Yardbirds this week and we'll uh, continue uh, as we march forward into 2023. Yeah. These, uh, these, these best of episodes are kind of like Christmas. Like um, you, I look forward to them so much. And then um, by the time they're over, it's like partial relief, but also partial kind of sadness that it's over um, because I, we do, I think we do a really, really good job of not showing our cards to each other throughout the whole year, which I know Definitely. is hard. It's hard to do because we, 
talk to each other every day and we do this podcast every week. And so to keep that kind of stuff under wraps just kind of shows how much we enjoy surprising each other with, uh, you know, fresh information, I guess. So I'm still shocked Evergrey made your top 50. So (laughs) uh, with that, enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon and uh, we'll come back to you next week. All right. Happy uh, 2023. Time to start our next list. Cheers. Take care.